Wake up! Wake up, wake up, wake up! Up you wake, up you wake, up you wake, up you wake! This is America. Don't get you slipping now. CIA owns this? No. No. Uh, independent aviation consultants. Oh, this is legal? If you're doing it for the good guys? Yeah. <laughs> Just don't get caught. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. I don't know. Something's like crossed over in me. And I can't go back. I mean, I just couldn't live. I know. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. I mean, come on, let's kick the ballistics here. Ain't no Uzis made in Harlem. I mean, not one of us in here owns a poppy feet. This thing is bigger than Nino Brown. This is big business. This is the American way. Yeah. I got the strap. Hey. I gotta carry him. Yeah, yeah, I'ma go into this. Yeah, yeah, this is good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the B-Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kautzer. And today we are on the second half of This is America Entrepreneurs, and we're looking at New Jack City. And the reason why I chose New Jack City over countless other films about quote-unquote entrepreneurs was that it fit perfectly with American, uh, with American Made, uh, the film that we talked about last week, or I'm sorry, last episode, uh, starring uh, Tom Cruise and directed by Doug Lyman. Um, the reason why I feel like it perfectly melds is that they feel like they're spiritual cousins to one another or spiritual sequel or prequel to one another because the film... Uh, the film American Made ends, spoiler alert, in 1986, when the when it was uh, when it began, like when America began its war on drugs. Um, Barry Seal, uh, again, spoiler alert, <laughs> Barry Seal is killed, and literally, um, New Jack City starts in 1986 at the dawn of the crack ep epidemic in New York and across America, and so I feel like it. It almost like dovetails perfectly into a a almost like wire esque sequel. If anybody is familiar with the amazing uh, David Simon created show The Wire, you'll know that every season focused on something different and uh, how it it was making like concentric circles and it started small and it, it went wider and wider and wider, but it was always dealing with the same thing, the epidemic of drugs. And I feel like this is like a way of kind of making a concentric circle with the narratives that you're watching here. And if watching them back to back as I have, it kind of dovetails perfectly into a very different, very like, it's almost like a radical reimagination of a sequel because you're literally saying, okay, this ends in 1986 and this one begins in 1986. And New Jack City follows the rise and fall of uh, a drug kingpin named Nino Brown, um, directed by Mario Van Peoples. This film is, at 97 minutes, more of a, uh, more of a remake of Scarface than the bloated Brian De Palma cult classic uh, Scarface. Um, the reason why I say that is because 
where Scarface basically just takes the bones of what Howard Hawks was doing in Scarface and kind of uses it. There are certain things that it uses. And, I mean, De Palma knew what he was doing. Oliver Stone and De Palma knew what they were doing with their Scarface. And they made something completely different. Whereas Mario Van Peoples takes the lessons learned from Howard Hawks in Scarface and what that film truly is. Because if you've ever seen that film, you'll know that it isn't... It's... It's not, it's not glamorizing the the movie. What I find interesting is, is that, you know, the original Scarface, even though it's like this really cracklingly good, um, action film at its core, it it's, it's this anti, um, it's like this anti-gangster anti or pro-prohibition, not so much pro-prohibition, but anti-criminal film that has a huge social conscience. And I feel like New Jack City is that. It's a cracklingly good like action film that, at its core, has this huge anti-drug and anti-crime message uh, in the middle of it. It's just, it's not... It's not made abundantly apparent, and it doesn't try to, um, it doesn't try to make the, it doesn't try to make its, its point, um, it doesn't try to, like, you know, do anything that would necessarily, uh, stop the film dead in its tracks, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is that, like, even Scarface, the original Howard Hawks film, has a couple of moments that stop dead in its tracks, Mario Van Peebles' film does not do that. I mean, it begins, it literally begins with us meeting Nino Brown um, at the top of the Brooklyn Bridge with a man who has like this white collar criminal that's basically taken his drugs and doesn't have the money uh, to pay him back. So him and uh, one of his um I would hate to use the word minion, but one of his like co-conspirators in the CMB, the Cash Money Brothers, uh, which is the gang that Nino Brown uh, runs, um, Dutta Man, played by Bill Nunn, literally drops this fucking guy off the Brooklyn Bridge because he doesn't have the money. No negotiation, no anything. Just Nino Brown takes one look at this fucking cat and goes, fuck you, and drops him off the fucking bridge. And that's the kind of movie you're in for because this movie doesn't pull any of its punches. It really does. I mean, even now, um, close to 30 years later, it it works. It works so fucking well. Um, actually, it's more like 20, close to 30 years. I mean, it's a couple of years off. But uh, and that's something that I feel like is in direct opposition, of course, of American Made. American Made doesn't have... It has violence in it, but it's more the threat of um, the tension of the violence, whereas New Jack City is literally in your face within the first couple of minutes of the movie. And that's something to appreciate about this movie. This movie moves fast. Like I said, it's 97 minutes, but it feels like you're you're with you're with Nino Brown and his crew uh, the cash money brothers as they rise into power and then you also are um you're also with the cops that are chasing him um you're with them too for what it feels like years and it is years but 
Van Peebles is able to do it in such a way that it's it doesn't it doesn't have to be a lengthy movie. Like it, it's it's a very efficient movie in the way that it tells its story, but it also manages to make every second count is uh, is what I'm trying to say. And um, in a lot of ways, this is kind of like with Van Peebles, who also co-stars in the movie. Um, he uh, he kind of makes a. He, he kind of sets a stake in kind of the same general vicinity that his father, um, Melvin Van Peoples, had with his films. And uh, like like his like his first film, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, as compared to New Jack City, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities there. It's not like. Like father and son are not the same, but it feels like as much as Melvin Van Peebles influenced an entire generation of African, uh, like of black filmmakers, I think that he influenced his son a great deal. Also, probably the most prominent of filmmakers that he he um, he influenced. I feel like between him and Spike Lee, I feel like those two were the were were people that really were influenced by Melvin Van Peoples and what he was doing in the 70s and but Mario kind of took the more commercial uh the, the more commercial and less artistic route well I wouldn't say less artistic because uh, I feel like this film like even though it was made for only eight million dollars never feels like an eight million dollar movie it 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 it's slick as fuck it is it is a slick movie it, it's beautifully shot it's um it's it uses its budget properly and i feel like uh, a lot of movies could take a lot of reference or kind of um take credence from the the lessons that are that are built in to um that are built into new jack city on how to actually make a film and i think one of them is making sure that your film is efficient like why do you need to make a 150 minute film if a 97 to 100 minute film is what it dictates? And I feel like because of the movie that they were essentially trying to make with New Jack City, which is a rise and fall of a of a gangster and um, and how the police deal with him and able to and to get into his operation to stop him from spreading the poison that is crack um, is it, it doesn't call for this epic lengthy lengthy movie it's it calls for something like concise and razor sharp and like laser focused and that's what this movie is i mean you know it, like by the time like within the first 15 minutes we've seen nino brown take control of crack and like you know take control of uh, of the selling of crack and being able to rise am amongst the ranks of other drug dealers and taking over and like as he says consolidating all of his interests into one area um it, it's interesting to me because Nino Brown, um, as written, is basically the the blueprint for every gangster that has come since 
this movie, including um, including probably one of the best written, which was Stringer Bell um, from The Wire. Again, I know we don't talk TV, but um, any chance that I get to like you know sing the praises of what is ultimately probably one of the top two or three TV shows ever, ever made. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do so, but, uh, it feels like this has a lot of like new Jack city itself. When you watch it visually, um, the rhythms of the editing, it's, it's, it feels very influential because I mean, this movie was released in, uh, 91, um, at the beginning of 1991. And, uh, there are certain element, like there are certain elements to this movie, uh, because it's a New York film, that feel like it's influenced other other things. Specifically, anytime I watch this film, I'm always reminded about how much the visual, the visuals, are were aped, uh, were were copied, literally like full swaths of from, um, like they were like literally ripped off by. Um, Law and Order, um, and their specific way, or they're telling their stories, like they tell it very efficiently, and but also the visual style of of Law and Order. If you look at it and you watch New Jack City, you'll definitely you can definitely tell that there is a heavy influence there. Maybe I'm fucking crazy, I don't know, but I really feel like this was like a heavy influence on that, and a lot of different movies um, in general, like even Abel Ferrara's King of New York, which is like a fucking great film. Like, I feel like both of them, they, they came out so close to one another, but they still feel like part of a whole and they could have been, they also could have been another, um, they could have been another one, two combo, but, um, King of New York is actually waiting for another, um, another movie. That's just like a little tease for you guys. Like next, uh, next, uh, season, there's going to be a specific, um, Either next season or season three, there's going uh, like as I build them, uh, there's definitely a, a place for King of New York uh, with another specific film that I'm going to be talking about. But um, back to New Jack City, um, like the the story, as I was saying, is about the rise and fall of Nino Brown, this uh, small time drug dealer who, in the midst of the beginning of the crack ep- epidemic, um, with the help of his brother and other pe- other associates is able to build an empire um, and trying to legitimize himself at the same time concurrently. It's also a story of the police detectives that are trying to take him down in the form of Scotty Appleton played by Ice-T and um, Nick Peretti played by Judd Nelson. And they're, they've been dispatched by their superior Stone, who's uh, played by Mario Van Peoples in a smaller supporting role uh, uh, to take out Nino Brown. Uh, Nino Brown played by Wesley Snipes in one of his first if, uh, and possibly best roles. I mean, during this time, I think that a lot of people, a lot of people have this association with Spike, uh, with Wesley Snipes that he's an action guy and that's all he's ever done. And now he's like, you know, he's back, but he's in B movie purgatory, making movies in Croatia or wherever the fuck else there, there are places to make B movies. But if you go back 25, close to 30 years, 
you have a you have a young actor in Wesley Snipes that literally just a powerhouse actor. I mean, you look at the movies that he did during this time and it, there's no joke here. There's it's not like I mean, I've covered I've covered probably my one of my favorite Wesley Snipes movies in um White Man Can't Jump and he is all charm and bravado in that film. But you also have to think, I mean, when you come into this time frame, you're looking at, okay, so in 89, he does Willie Mays Hayes in Major League. And he just kind of steals the show there. He's he's all charm and swagger. And it's, I mean, he's one of the few actors in that movie that actually feels like a, like a, like a sports star, like a, like a sports star, like a per, like a, a rookie coming into um, the major leagues. I mean, like everybody else in that movie. I love that movie, but everybody else does not feel like a sports star. Like you can tell that they are actors. But Wesley, no. I mean, he's so embedded. He's such a good. I think that what people don't recognize in Wesley is that he's not only a, a good performer, but he is an unbelievable physical performer. And by physical performer, I don't mean. I don't mean somebody that's I don't mean somebody that's like Jim Carrey. I mean somebody that can that can physically make attributes into his performance or her performance. And that's what Wesley is. I mean, he's no different than what I, I like I I'm going to be bold here. I know that a lot of people will think that it's bold and bullshit, but I don't give a fuck. Um Christian Bale, like he's a lot like he's a very similar actor to Christian Bale where he's able to physically inhabit a role. I mean, that goes for like major league. And then, um, I mean, he has this run. Um, he has this run up in, uh, from 89 to 92 that consists of, um, we already talked major league. He's in King of New York, which is also really uh, ironic and funny. Um, which, you know, uh, he's, he's in Mo better blues. He plays, um, he plays the accompaniment or the 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 saxophonist to um, Denzel Washington's trumpet player in that in that movie. Um, he's in Jungle Fever. I mean he he plays um, he plays Flipper um, uh, in that movie about the romance between the interracial romance between Annabella Sciorra and uh, Wesley Snipes, which is a very timely film. I think that people have not gone back to that enough, and I think that they should actually, really honestly. It's a great, uh, it's in that great run of Spike films. I mean, he's in two Spike films, and then he's in The Water Dance, which is just an amazingly great film. Uh, very. Uh, very subdued drama um, that I feel like just doesn't get enough play. Um, and then white men can't jump. And then in between this, you have new Jack city. I mean, this run is unbelievable and it's a, it's a true blue dramatic run of really, really great performances. Um, I think that he just doesn't get enough credit for that. And in this film, he is through and through a living, breathing character, a true, uh, a true criminal and sociopath that like you watch him and like he inhabits this role in, in just this, this very believable, but like larger than life way. Like, like there's this moment, um, that he has, uh, there's a couple of really great key moments that he has, but the, the one, um, the one that, 
I, I'm always drawn to is when he tells the story of what he had to do to get in, uh, to get initiated into a gang, um, and how he had to, uh, how he had to kill a civilian, like an innocent. He had to just go up to somebody, some, some quote unquote school teacher and like, you know, just end that person's life. And the way that Wesley plays it as a performer is just stunning because it's both physical and like and emotional at the same time and you can tell that Nino has like zero fucks to give about this though there is a slight part of him whatever part of him that like he holds on to it like you watch it in his eyes and it's like this really tricky performance um, where there's a moment where you can see that that was the last grasp of humanity that Nino Brown had. And that died away the moment he killed that person and, and that innocent civilian. And he does not, he has no qualms, no fucks to give about anybody but himself. I mean, and that includes his brother, um, the woman that, uh, the woman that he, he says that he loves, um, anybody it doesn't matter. He is he, he is literally a vacuum and he has no care or uh, no care or um, understanding or empathy for anybody except for himself. And it's a fascinating performance because you can you can see it from the moment that that you can you can see it from the moment that that he's on screen that it, it's different. It's just, it's a different performance that he's bravado, but under that bravado, he would have no problems with fucking ending your fucking life. Um, and I mean, many people think of this film, at least nowadays, they think of it as like an, as an iced tea film. But uh, realistically, when you watch the film, it, it, it is solely Nino Brown's film, though there is the B storyline of Scotty Appleton played by Ice-T, but it's not, he's, that storyline, along with every other storyline, is giving support to, ultimately, the story of Nino Brown, um, which, again, is just, like, when you watch this film, it's to understand why Wesley Snipes became a huge star. Like, like to me, it was never, like, you know, I, I find it interesting that people nowadays... Um, they kind of, they make fun of Wesley, like for whatever reason. But I mean, you like the people that do, like, I don't know if they really tracked when he was, you know, he was a star. I mean, I understand that there were some really like some fucking horrible shit that must've like that had gone down. Like there have been the stories about blade, uh, blade Trinity or blade three and what was happening there. And then also, you know, during the second blade film, um, things have come out that he wasn't necessarily the the best person to work with but you know people making fun of him because they feel like he's like a second rate star i i just kind of like i just want to stop it dead at his tracks and have people watch these films specifically this one because you watch this and fuck he is so fucking good i mean he outshines everybody and you've got you've got a cast that has you know <laughs> you have a cast that has uh, like one specific person, specifically Chris Rock, doing some of the trickiest and best work of his career. Like, you know, prom like the first movie that he did, 
is this movie at and it's possibly the best work he's ever done now of course there are some other things and i even have some specific things that i'd like to actually cover with chris rock because i find him a fascinating actor um in in the same way that i find um richard pryor fascinating uh that they could never really connect except for a precious few times. And Chris Rock is the same, is the thing. Like, I know that a lot of people have made jokes out of his character Pookie, but, you know, you watch this film and the work that he does here is just staggering. Like, Chris Rock's stuff as Pookie, it's both, it's like equal parts pathetic, angering, heartbreaking, um, and unbelievable, but and over the top, but subtle at the same time. Uh, and I feel like, like of the, of the performances, it's, it's, it's like literally both him and Wesley's performances are just amazing. Like you just look, watch them and you go, fuck these, they, like these guys were young and hungry and they went after these roles. Um, once they got them, they, they performed the shit out of them. I mean, I mean, even somebody like, like any, and it just goes to prove to me just how good of a director that Mario Van Peoples um, was and is. Um, I feel like like this film has it's an action film, yes, like you like or a crime a crime action film, whatever you would want to call it. But within the confines of that, you have so many good performances. You have so such a such a gut punch of a message that it's trying to bring, but it doesn't bring it in like this weird sort of like GI Joe, a very special episode of, you know, a different world or who's the boss kind of stupid bullshit saved by the bell. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. It's nothing like that. It's just, it's the reality of the situation. There's this starkness um, that Van Peoples works with and is able to, to pull off within the film where like the cops like, and it all comes from the point of view of the cops because the cops understand that this is not getting solved. Like Nino Brown is, is, is a target, but like you, like you can tell that all of them, all of the police uh, that we come in contact with know that this is just the beginning or this is just a piece in the cog on the clockworks of the the drug machine that is bigger than them like as Nino Brown has to, like tells everybody continually that it's bigger than him it's bigger than everybody um and uh it's interesting how Van Peebles and the and the screenwriters are able to like I find it interesting that they 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 show these two worlds the the worlds of the police officers and then the world of of the gangsters of the cash money brothers um and you can see how different they are about how like it's like it's it's a balance where like where the cash money brothers all start off as strong friends family associates brothers in arms like they're they are united like every single one of them has a goal and a purpose and nino is their is their leader and how they work towards that goal and they all have their separate parts 
But then at the beginning with the cops, you have Scotty and Peretti and then um, and then Park and Stone and how this small unit is so disharmonious. They like, you know, Peretti and Appleton hate each other. Um, Peretti played by Judd Nelson, like in possibly like to me, it's his best role. Like I know that everybody wants Breakfast Club and all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love him in this. I love him in this film, and I love the work that he does with Ice T um, in this film because it's a true subtle arc where we watch these two com- these two people who really fucking hate each other. Um, like everybody hates each other um, within this small tactical unit that's trying to take down Nino Brown. They all hate each other, but slowly but surely, because of the time that they've spent together, begin to work together and begin to understand each other. They're not friends, but there is a mutual respect there. And there's a, a mutual understanding that they want to take down these fucking guys because regardless of like you know the good like you know the the face of the uh the the face that they're giving these are evil fucking people that are um as uh bill cobb uh bill cobbs the 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 what who who is labeled as the old man who's a man who like who's a who's a like a who's a figure in the in the neighborhood that Nino Brown is taking over and he's like the conscience of the a conscience of the film and he like he at one point pulls a gun on Nino Brown and Nino laughs and he goes you you're selling poison to your own kind and it's the only time like Bill Cobbs is the only like is the only role that goes on the nose with things but it's interesting because it's true like like he is him and his uh, him and the cash money brothers are or the cmb are are literally selling poison to their own people to their own death and and it's not and it's fun it's unfortunate but it's not that that undoes them and what undoes them is petty gripes and Nino's ever-reaching conquest of needing power, and uh, like how this this group handles their own egos and their own hubris and their own needs, and I mean it's all undone very quickly, and that's part of the reason why, like Nino Brown falls is is not because of uh, not because of the the great work that. Um, that Appleton and Peretti do. It's literally because of bullshit infighting within within their organization. Um, and it's really interesting to watch it because, again, it only plays out over 97 minutes. This is not like a two-and-a-half-hour epic um, like American Gangster or Scarface or even Goodfellas. It's an epic, like, and it's told over many years. Um, and it's told with the same sort of... Um, attention to detail that even the best gangster films are are um are played out in but it's just done a lot more efficiently uh the like and that's credit to not only mario van peoples but the uh screenplay by thomas lee wright and uh barry michael cooper like they found 
they cracked the code for like just a lean and mean movie and you know before you know it it's like Nino's on trial and he's giving speeches and before you know it the film ends and it's such an adrenaline shot I I love that I love that about the film about just how purposeful it is in that regard now finally we get to everybody's favorite moment where I talk about what I would do because this is an older film um, I'm going to be remaking New Jack City and how I would approach it now let's just first let's like let's just say it first first and foremost this has to stay like an independent production like like it like even though the movie was released by Warner Brothers it was still an independent production it only cost about 18 million or I'm sorry 8 million dollars which in even today's adjusted um that's only like about 17 to 20 million dollars so let's just go with like a 20 million dollar budget from like an like and keep it independent because you want like what I would want from a New Jack City remake is I wouldn't want it to maintain its exactly what uh, what Mario Van Peoples was able to uh, was able to put into the film a relevant social message um, within layers of an action film a crime film and a great character study um, and at the center you want you you want a director that can deliver that that can deliver layers upon layers upon layers of a film that's not just one thing and I thought long and hard about this and the the director that I well the writer director that I would want to take this over is somebody who's not done an action film in fact he's he's in comedy right now but the layers to his comedy are so deep um, and so relevant and I would think that he could bring an urgency to um, to the proceedings uh, would be uh, Justin Simeon, uh, the writer director of uh, Dear White People, the movie, and then also the Netflix series, uh, the great, great Netflix series, and the great, um, uh, the great um, uh, film. And I feel like because of how he's able to make Dear White People so much more than what you initially think that it is. Like when you initially hear the premise, you think, oh, okay, one thing. But when you watch it, it's something completely different. Um, there's so much to that, uh, to both the film and the, the, the Netflix series, which is a definite recommend, um, both the film and the, um, and the Netflix series. But I feel like he would bring exactly what Mario Van Peoples brought uh, to it um, because... You don't have to be like some like you don't have to, to have directed action films to direct an action film like oh, your first one. Uh, I think that you have to have more than that. I think that you have to have a really different kind of skill set for this particular film. And I think that he qualifies for that. Uh, so, yeah, no writer director, uh, Justin Simeon. Now, who would I get to play Nino Brown? You that's some big shoes to fill. But I feel like. After long, like thinking about it long and hard, the person that you actually want to um, play this role is Daniel Kaluuya. Like to me, like he's 
he's been primed for something big. Like Get Out was huge, but it's not like like Get Out is not a showcase for Daniel Kaluuya, even though he is great in it. Get Out is a is a that is a that that is something that's all Jordan Peele. At least to me, that's what it feels like. That movie is Jordan Peele, hook, line, and sinker. I think that with New Jack City, it is all about the person that plays Nino Brown. And I think that Daniel Kaluuya could bring something to it that's completely different than um, than Wesley Snipes, but still keep it within the same realm. Because I feel like what they share is, like, the thing that I've gotten from Daniel Kaluuya and all of the performances that I've seen him in is that there is a performer that is physical, but it's not overpowering. It's, he has that that emotional and physical side to him that he can play both and uses it quite well. Like, like I mean, you know, you watch the hypnotizing scene and get out and you understand that this guy has everything in the arsenal that you would need um, to pull off uh, something as tricky as Nino Brown, because part of the part of the the thing with Nino Brown is that he is so charming. Wesley Snipes makes him charming, but he never takes away the emptiness of a of a man who's killed and doesn't have qualms with killing anybody to get what he wants. Uh and I think that we could get that from we could get something like that or something just as special from uh Daniel Kaluuya. So to play uh, Nino Brown's brother, G Money, uh, who was initially played by Alan Payne, um, I went with Alan. Uh, I went with Andre Holland, uh, who many will know from Moonlight. Um, he plays um, the adult, uh, the adult kid um, that is uh, the co like the the co-romantic lead and Andre Holland. I mean, he's also going to be in Castle Rock. Uh, he's uh, coming up in Castle Rock, but what I liked about him and what I liked about his, perf- uh, like his performance in Moonlight, what made me think about him as G money is because at a certain point, G money goes down a very dark hole and is, is, is the, is a, I hate to put, words onto because then it becomes very obvious if you've seen if you haven't seen New Jack City what I'm talking about but needless to say he becomes a very weak character after becoming a very after being a very strong character and he is the key to the downfall of Nino Brown and I feel like Andre Holland can play both the bravado at the beginning the youthful bravado and then the darker sinister jealousy that in like that insipits into his body um that G money has to deal with. Uh, I really do like, he would be really great in this. Um, and then to play Scotty Appleton played by the immortal, immortal ice tea. Um, again, I went a little bit different. I didn't go with, uh, I didn't go with a rap star. Um, even though I did consider it, I thought that the best person to play this, I wanted somebody like physically imposing and I feel like uh, Trevante Rhodes, also from Moonlight, would make the perfect Scotty Appleton. Um, he has, he has the like. It's he's he's like a 
he's like it's this anti-cop thing that Scotty Appleton is like Scotty never like when you watch the film Ice-T is a cop and he plays a cop and he feels like a cop but there's something like anti-authoritarian about him I think that that's what initially everybody really loved about about the role is how he still managed like after everything like you you watch this film and he's a cop and he's doing his thing but he's still you know he's gangster like he's got this like ebb and flow and I think that uh, Trevante Rhodes if given the chance could have that kind of bravado like still be a cop but have a little a little bit inside of him that's a little different that's a little anti-authoritarian that's a little fuck you um you know like uh like Jay-Z said middle finger to the lord um something like that and I think that he he would he would like he would I mean we know that he could we he can do it it's just I think there would be a soul and a grace to it that I don't know if I could you could get that from from like a rapper that's only been doing rap because like part of the thing with with Ice T is that there are certain moments in his performance that he like he's he's a titan in that role like he's he's able to to play it and he's able to summon this performance that I feel like not a lot of actors could do. And I think a lot of it had to do with the life that the life that Ice-T led. Uh, he's also been able to prove over the last 20 years that he is a very, very good performer. I mean, I mean, like we were talking about Law and Order. I mean, he's on Law and Order, for fuck's sake. I mean, continually there and doing a great job. I mean, everybody loves him, um, not just because he's Ice-T, but because of the performances. Uh, so, Trevante Rhodes. Uh, Pookie, which... This one was a little bit difficult because I, the thing is, is that you could very easily go into, I don't want to say like, it could go into caricature very quickly. And so what I did was I wanted to do something like, like if I was going to see New Jack City now, the thing that I would, I like like we've seen the drug we've seen the druggie we've seen the we, we've seen the 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 crackhead we've seen that all i mean it's all started from chris rock we need to do something different you need to do something that would would give i, I know it sounds weird but give people nightmares and that's why instead of going with that with like a chris rock style actor I went younger, a lot younger, and uh, I went with Caleb uh, McLaughlin, who many people will know as Mike from, or I'm sorry, as Lucas from Stranger Things, and the reason why is because if you look at that storyline, that's what Nino Brown would do. He would hire kids. He wouldn't hire, uh, he wouldn't, like nowadays, he wouldn't hire like a 21 year old or a 20 year old, he would hire a 15, a 13, 14, 15 year old. Um, I think that like that would, that would bring it all the more closer and hitting and would hit harder if you went with that route. And 
and again, it's the also the reason why, like, realistically, if you were to cast these people, why you would want this as an independent production? Because there's no fucking way that any studio would allow you to do the same exact storyline that Pookie, like Pookie's storyline is, and the ending of that storyline, how that story ends. But you do it in an independent world and it becomes something that gets really exciting. And I, I mean that in a way that it's like, like you want this movie to matter. You want this m- movie to be like a gut punch. And I feel like that would give it the gut punch because when, when Pookie dies, it, it is a gut punch because you, you come to like this kid, you come to watch him get over his addiction and how quickly and how fragile that is like how like not I mean it's not really you don't get over you overcome it and you're still an addict uh, as they say but it's powerful stuff and to see him crumble and to see the 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 price that is paid for that Um, and I think that with having Caleb McLaughlin in that role because he's such a like you instantly are empathetic towards him because he's not only a kid but he's a great performer that would be just like it would be it would be the same kind of gut punch um so in the role of stone that uh, that's the one that uh, mario van peoples had um taken for himself um we're not gonna have justin simeon um perform it at stone i actually went with somebody who because you need somebody that for the you need somebody that has like a sense of authority but you also need somebody who i feel like as a star can come in for like that five minutes and give you that star wattage and so i went with anthony mackie i feel like he's this big imposing premise uh presence that can come in do what you need him to do, bust uh, bust these cops' asses about what they're doing and how they're doing it, um, and still just, like, you know, and still not take away from the film, but add to it. I think that Mackie has that down. I mean, especially with his, recently with his, um, with his role as the Falcon, I uh, like in the Marvel movies, I feel like he comes, he has to, he comes in, he doesn't have a movie of his own. He's like this, I hate to use the word supporting player, but he's, he's this guy that comes in and gives his thing and has that kind of gravitas that doesn't get, that doesn't, he doesn't get lost in all of the, all of the marvelness of the movies, which I find very impressive. And I think that that would do a well, it would be well suited for that role as stone. Um, the next, uh, the next one is Nick Peretti, the the, the role filled by uh, Judd Nelson, and I thought long and hard about this one because the Peretti role is really interesting because it starts off antagonistic, and it ends up with some kind of a with a mutual respect with Scotty. But what I love about the about the role is that it never, it's never a. It's never a full-on, like, like co-starring role. Like, he's always in the background. He's always not not the main focus. Um, you need an actor that's able to do that. But then also, like Judd Nelson at that time was able to turn on the star thing and do his thing 
the way that you 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 would need that character to do and and you also need somebody who's who's who can play somebody from Newark or New York without without it being comical so i i went with Joseph Gordon-Levitt a guy who's not really has kind of gone out of the spotlight recently, not starring in anything other than Snowden. But I feel like this is the kind of role that he would eat up. It's it's not it's it's showy, but it's not too showy. And it's just the right amount. It's almost analogous to his work in Inception. Where he comes in and he's not the main guy, but he's he's one of the supporting he's one of the supporting roles that's able to really just like you know work and do his thing and and be have his sense of gravitas come in, but it not distract very much so like Anthony Mackie would need to be. Um, the next role is uh, Selena, um, who is the girlfriend to Nino Brown. Um, n- business associate and girlfriend lover whatever you want to call her she was played by michael michelle who was also in another great uh, police procedural in uh, homicide life on the street and for this role it i feel like this one would have to be rewritten just a little bit because you need somebody that probably is a little bit more complicit and less of a less of a, like less of a girlfriend role more of an active participant uh, because the person that I would love to see take this role on is uh, Gina Rodriguez I feel like she's not had like I actually thought about combining both the Selena role and um and another role but I mean we won't do that but um but the um, the Selena role, like I feel like it should be a little bit more about the business side of things, like the money laundering, because she she is, but they don't really talk about that stuff um, between her and her brother. Like it would be it would be a great kind of role for her to be able to play in a sort of a, an authoritarian role, which I feel like she does know how she can do. I mean, you watch her in Annihilation, and she has. She has that to be able to do it, but still keep a feminine side and also like a businesswoman of the new, uh, of the of the new era, which I really would love to just see her in that kind of role. Um, which uh, brings us to her brother Kareem, uh, Kareem, who I feel like it needs to change, like it, like. The role needs to be, I don't, I like, I changed the role to, um, to, to a white guy. Um, like I, like my, my justification for this was, is that, um, that Gina Rodriguez, uh, as Selena and her brother were, you know, from a biracial family and the kid, the, the, the guy that I chose to take the role from Christopher Williams, um, is actually, uh, Lucas Hedges. I feel like Lucas Hedges was the, the kind of guy that would get him and his sister involved in money laundering for a drug dealer. Like he just seems like a kid that would get, 
way out of like you know way in over his head and i feel i feel like that's the the kind of role that that would need um like the ability to like feel like this kid is way in over his head um i thought i I just feel like it would be interesting to see that kind of dynamic play out Uh, and of course probably to have to explain it all to fucking shit uh which because everybody can't see that you know like nobody understands oh my god you know why are they different it really annoys me but it's to say that um yeah lucas hedges i think that he would do great in that 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 role uh especially uh, like you know just like that smiling sniveling you know white guy banker um it would just be perfect um the next role uh Dudaman, played by bill nunn um is it a little bit of a tricky role because of the fact that it's dealing with a stutter? Um, I feel like Bill Nunn did a really great job. Uh, like this is like that that period of Bill Nunn's career where there were a lot of non-speaking roles but physically imposing roles. So you kind of need somebody that is physically imposing. And who I picked was um, Henry Simmons. Now Henry Simmons actually is um in the uh marvel tv show agents of shield and he plays a guy named mac if you've ever seen the show you know exactly who i'm talking about he's physically imposing i feel like he would do a perfect job in this particular role um then you have uh the other two females uh in the film uniqua um who is the girl that comes between or the woman that comes between G money and Nino Brown played by Vanessa Williams and, or I'm sorry, no Tra- uh unique was played by uh, Tracy Camilla Johns and uh, to throw everybody for a loop uh, to have like a really great, like a great wild performance. Um, I want, uh, like I cast Cardi B, uh, if you guys have ever seen Cardi B, you'll know exactly the reason why I chose her. Um, it's, it, I feel like it's like the perfect melding of roles in the kind of, uh, she would be the kind of girl that, or the kind of woman that two guys would fight over. Like, and she would, like, she would bring an energy to the film that I feel like would be completely unique into of it itself. Um, and then uh, Keisha. Keisha is like one of the leaders of the Cash Money Brothers. She's uh, she's she's an assassin. She's um, a bodyguard. She's a badass. And uh, she was actually played by Vanessa Williams, who I thought would make a, a great version of this uh, was Tessa Thompson. Like have her come in as this like really quick, like five day supporting role just to come in and kick some fucking ass because that's what she does. She's dangerous. Uh, you know, she's, she kills undiscriminately. She's just like, she is truly an assassin. Um, there's a, there's a character on the wire um, that I feel like was modeled after this particular this particular character. And if you've ne- if you've seen the wire, you know exactly who I'm talking about. If you haven't, watch the fucking wire because I'm talking about it a lot. It must mean something, right? <laughs> um, and then uh, to fill out the the cast, um, 
the Frankie Needles, um, who is one of the Italian mobsters. Like I didn't really talk about it, but there's this uh, subplot with the Italian mafia basically owning Nino Brown and Nino Brown going to war with them. And his, his con their, their contact, the cash, the CMB, um, their contact into the, into that world is Frankie needles. Um, he was played by Anthony DeSando. Um, I went with somebody a little different. I went with a little bit of a different casting. Um, not so stereotypical. Uh, I went with Jason Schwartzman, uh, I like for something, something in me just feels like he's it's time that he plays a, a gangster. And I feel like he would bring a little bit of a, a different flair to it uh, than those stereotypical gangsters from the from the 80s and 90s. And then you also have uh, Don, Don Armateo, uh, who is played by John Apria. Now, he has a very small role, but I feel like. If you're going to do New Jack City and you're going to have a Don, why not go with one of the ultimates? And I went Al Pacino because it's only two. It's like literally two or three scenes. I think it's two scenes. Uh, no, three scenes. I feel like if you get Al Pacino, you kind of get this. You get this Scarface Godfather bigger than life iconic performance and you get like and you get it in this film and where it matters um because he's only in three scenes but he has to make an impression and i feel like that would be the perfect place for him and then finally finally the old man played by like i said like played by bill cobbs um i'm gonna go different i'm gonna change the gender and make it the um the older lady and there's one person I could think of that could bring the fire and the fury. Um, and it's Viola Davis. Like, I feel like Viola Davis would make us feel every single moment that she is on screen and she would just be fucking fire. She would be fire in this role. Like being able to like, like the, like the moment that I think about is that moment where Nino Brown is in the club and he's like basically taunting these little kids with money and giving them money. And Bill Cobbs comes in and he like, you know, Nino Brown is surrounded by his entire crew and he's just sitting there like, like a king of the, like a king of the world, like a, a master of uh, his own destiny, like, like. Uh, like Tom Wolf will love to say, and Bill Cobbs comes in and says everything that takes the room, the wind, like the the oxygen out of the room, and just completely uh, like decimates Nino Brown. Even though Nino is laughing the entire time, he call like the old man just he calls it exactly the way that everybody sees it, and the anger of of a silent majority and to see like I would love to see via Viola Davis play that against Daniel Kaluuya Andre Holland Trevante Rhodes uh, <laughs> Gina Rodriguez and Lucas Hedges like having her play that against all of these people would just be amazing. And then that final moment with uh, that final moment with Bill Cobbs would just be like in Viola Davis's hands. <laughs> like it's like, it's like those things where you would 
like you would you see the performance when you see the performance after you watch it you go fuck that's that's some fucking that's amazing like that's what i would expect from viola davis um and my entire cast of the remaking of new jack city uh coming 2019 to theaters nowhere unfortunately uh, and that'll bring it to a close to New Jack City and um, uh, uh, This is America Entrepreneurs. We're going to be back next week. You can uh, follow us on social media. And the reason why I mentioned social media is because if you follow us on Letterboxd, uh, you'll actually get to see what we're actually covering next week. And we're changing it up. We've had a lot of serious stuff. So we're going to change it up with a comedy and um, a semi-serious drama. Um, actually, it's a pretty serious drama, but a, a comedy first. And uh, what they are, you're going to have to actually um, check the Letterbox account. And all of our social media accounts are the same thing. The B-Movie Pod. Or not the B-Movie Pod, uh, but B-Movie Pod. The letter B, the word movie, the word pod, all together, no lines, no dashes, no bullshit. On the Letterbox specifically, we post a week, uh, we post a day in advance, or a week in advance, what we're covering. So it's already there. Just go ahead and take a look, uh, subscribe or um, sorry, um, follow us on the uh, follow us on Letterbox, and you'll actually be able to tell what we what we covered, and then you're actually able to see what we're what we covered in older episodes if you wanted to, um, because we have right now we have over 200 episodes, 200 individual films, actually more uh, more than 200 films, but 200 episodes. I think I think at last count that I saw, I think I've covered approximately. Uh, 300 films, close to 300 films, uh, but 200 individual episodes over that. So you've got a wealth of podcasts over the last uh, close to three years now that we've, or two and a half years that we've been uh, doing this weird and wonderful project. Um, again, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Letterbox, they're all the same um, handle, B Movie uh, Pod. Uh, you can also read my writing and the work of my writers on the movie aisle, uh, the website that I own and edit, or I'm the editor in chief of. We've got some great writers and some great writing coming out of there. Um, we had a new writer just join us recently, Olivia Mo. Uh, she'll be starting to write fairly soon. She's going to actually be uh, joining us again on the podcast because she was on the podcast recently, but she'll be on another uh, another episode, a very awesome episode that I'm very excited about, uh, which. You, when you see it, you will know. <laughs> um, we've got Scott, Marie, and also Kristen. Uh, Kristen's uh, a guest contributor, whereas Scott and uh, Marie are staff writers, uh, all doing great work. Uh, we've got some uh, some really great stuff from Marie right now, especially if you're a foreign film fan. I would definitely suggest going ahead and looking at her reviews as she is somebody that we definitely that definitely leans towards our uh, foreign film. She could almost be like our foreign film specialist or um, the person that. Uh, that we go to for foreign films she, her her wealth of knowledge of that is immense among other things she's uh, she's a great writer in general and then scott always uh doing uh doing some great reviews of our independent uh, of independent cinema so just it's all to say to take a look at the writers that are writing on the movie aisle uh, we work really hard at it uh to make it something different than a pop culture website we actually follow film like we're actually it's actually film that we love. It's not pop culture. So, and it's not a dig at Marvel films or the current big budget things. It's just that 
you're you're hardly ever going to find a review of major motion pictures there like or like you know event films um because to be honest we're not that's not us we love cinema and all of its forms um but we're not a pop culture website so go ahead and check us out at the movie aisle and uh, we will be back next week and as always thank you for your listenership it means the world to me uh, there should be some uh, bonus content coming up fairly shortly uh, to to round out and end out the season. And I hope you guys do enjoy it because it's not on a it's not on a Patreon page or anything. It's just free for you guys to have. Uh, all you have to do is subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, all the regular podcasting or podcast catching apps. So with that, we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.